Hello and welcome to Health Professional Radio. So glad that you could join us for another segment. I'm your host, Neil Howard. We'll be speaking with Dr. Ilias Alavisos this morning, Executive Medical Director, Clinical Development at Horizon Therapeutics. He's going to talk about some data from the Phase 2 trial results on Dazodalabep for two Sjogren's Syndrome populations. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Alavisos. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us uh, just a bit about yourself and give us a description or, or some insights into what Sjogren's Syndrome is. I have been working uh, in Sjogren's Syndrome for uh, several years. Uh, in my previous career, I was at the National Institutes of Health uh, running the Sjogren's Syndrome Clinic and having a lab focusing on Sjogren's Syndrome. Um, I have been working on the Dazodalibet program for the past five years and I have been part for Azure Therapeutics, and um, I'm very glad to be here today discussing the results uh, of Dazodalibet with Sjogren's Syndrome. So Sjogren's Syndrome is an autoimmune disease affecting primarily women. Um, it's a chronic systemic autoimmune disease. The exocrine glands, uh, such as salivary glands or tear glands, are primarily affected. However, several organs um, or other functions, such as sexual function, uh, can be affected. Pain, dryness, and fatigue are the cardinal symptoms of this disease. So the symptoms that the patients have face are debilitating and they greatly impair the quality of life. One of the most uh, significant complications of Sjogren's is the increased risk of uh, non-spot skins, B-cell lymphoma, which occurs uh, in a frequency of uh, 15 or 5% to 15% of the patients. How rare a disease is Sjogren's syndrome? Sjogren's is not considered a rare disease. Uh There are several estimates out there. The Sjogren's Syndrome Foundation believes more than 1 million patients in the U.S. And uh, part of it, part of the lack of uh, good epidemiological um, data is that we didn't have an ICD code and it was not uh, very well recognized the disease. However, over the last few years, uh, Sjogren's has been uh, really recognized, and we see that the incidence and the diagnosis is uh, increasing. Two of the most common symptoms are dry eyes and dry mouth. Has Sjogren's been subject to widespread misdiagnosis? That, uh, that is a possibility. That is very likely uh, what has, having, has been happening. So the dry mouth and the dry eyes are not just a symptom of Sjogren's. However, because of several medications uh, affecting dryness, it has been uh, underdiagnosed. I think it's with uh, the improvement in labs and uh, the improvement in awareness of Sjogren's is that uh, now physicians do test for the common autoantibodies, anti-RO, anti-LA, and they also, there's uh, many more biopsies happening, minor salivary gland biopsies. So the diagnosis is, uh, is improving and increasing significantly over the last years. Now, I understand also that there's some Phase two trial data uh, that was presented at this year's EULA. Is that correct? Yes, this is correct. The study was in two populations of Sjogren's syndrome. Uh, describe these the differences between these two populations, if you would. Yes. So we believe that Sjogren's uh, patients can be defined into two different populations. So population one, what we call the trial, is uh, composed of patients with uh, moderate to severe systemic disease activity which is defined by a score, uh, it's called ESTA score, uh, more or equal than five. 
and population too, which uh, comprises the majority of uh, sovereign patients, is uh, are patients with uh, primarily symptomatology, like unacceptable symptomatic burden, which is defined by a score of ESPRI, uh, more or equal than five. Uh, ESPRI is a composite index uh, capturing dryness, pain, and fatigue, and it's a scale of zero to 10. So an average of more than five is uh, the target population we had for uh, for that trial, for the population two of that trial. And what were some of the results? Was there anything that was uh, particularly surprising, or did they go the way that you expected them to go in both populations? I think they, personally speaking, they went better than I expected for okay. the symptomatic burden patients. We were hoping that to see an improvement. The improvement was uh, really great and impressive for these patients. Uh, and it's the first trial, actually, uh, having an improvement in both uh, symptomatic burden and uh, high, moderate to high systemic disease activity. So both populations met the primary endpoint. Um, for the population two, at uh, week 24, we saw a very robust improvement in ESPRI score, statistically significant uh, improvement compared to placebo. Uh, but we also saw a lot of the secondary points uh, hitting statistical significant um, measurements, other measurements of dryness, uh, fatigue and pain, uh, as well as quality of life improvements. So that was a very, very um, promising and very exciting uh, time for us to see all this improvement. Uh, and I think, as I, as I said before, it's the first time uh, any trial hits on these endpoints successfully. How does this molecule actually work in these individuals? So, Dasodalibet is an investigation of CD40 ligand antagonist. Uh, that molecule blocks the T and B cell interactions. So, CD40 ligand is a part of a key pathway. Um, playing a very important role driving immune responses. So, for example, when external invaders enter the body, this pathway is required to form germinal centers, which act as a different system and produce the antibodies. However, uh, there is an overactivation of this pathway in autoimmune diseases that leads to a constant uh, churning of uh, autoantibodies that attack the body. Uh, this is a formal characteristic of uh, most of the, or actually of all the autoimmune diseases, uh, such as Sjogren's or rheumatoid arthritis. So the way that the Dalibet works is uh, blocks this uh, CD40 ligand and uh, kind of um, decreases the overactivation of this pathway, and eventually leading to a shrinkage of the germinal centers and uh, reduction of uh, autoantibody levels. Doctor, is there anything that you'd like to add for our listeners and then give us a website where we can learn more about Horizon Therapeutics? Yes, the website is uh, horizontherapeutics.com and uh, you can find more information about the molecule and you can see some uh, press releases with uh, data, uh, also links to the publications. Um, so I want to say that we are very, very excited uh, and we hope that there's going to be some hope for the sovereign space centers more trials uh, from other companies, other pharmaceuticals, um, speaking like a person working on children's syndrome for many years, it's a very exciting time for the patients, and I hope they're going to be uh, several successful products to to make sure we can tackle this disease. This is under shared population, and it's a disease with a 
unmet medical needs. And uh, I think it's a great time for sovereign's patients. We appreciate your work, Doctor. Thank you so much for your time this morning, and I'm hoping that you'll return as uh, FDA approval becomes uh, more visible. Thank you so much for trusting You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Ilias Elevisos. Audio copies of this program are available at healthprofessionalradio.com.au, also at Anchor Spotify. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.